Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. All rise. I strenuously object. A legal podcast brought to you by the Pittsburgh Law Firm of Flaherty Fardo is now in session. All those seeking information about the law and legal matters affecting the people of Pittsburgh and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, half-baked opinions, and a dose of self-indulgence are invited to attend and participate. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I object, Your Honor. Your Honor, I object. You would! Listen, we don't know you. We don't know who you are. We don't know what you do. So please do not rely on anything we say as legal advice. I'm Noah Fardo, presiding. My wingman, attorney Bill Rigel. And all we're trying to do is bring a little irreverence. That's just what this stubby company needs. A little irreverence. Well, let's start the insanity. Call the first witness. What I strenuously object today to is the entire system concerning Allegheny County property tax appeals. It's a train wreck. It's a disaster. Hold on, Noah. Hold on one second. Before we get into the nuts and bolts here, who are you and and what are we doing? What is this? Don't tell me what I know and don't know. I know the law. Sorry, I I was dying to use that one. But, well, do I know tax appeals? Yes, I've uh, helped more than 10,000 property owners save tens of millions of dollars over the last 20 plus years. So it, this is a topic that I feel uniquely qualified to, to share my opinions. Are you okay with that? No. Um, what, what I'm trying to figure out is more broadly speaking, um, there, there are lots of attorneys. Why, why are you doing a podcast? I like to help people, Bill. I like to help people. It's the only reason we're here. So it's a, a desperate effort to make sure that your opinions get shared with the world before you're underground, yeah? I want to leave something I like the idea, I think, philosophically of my voice living on, whether it annoys people or helps people, which I'm not sure yet. There's a pretty good chance it does both of these things. It has has a distinct possibility of doing both. Mike, the podcast producer here. How about you guys actually get to doing the show? There (laughs) you go. Patting each other on the back. Yeah, I know, right? What a love fest. Allegheny County property taxes are some of the highest in the country. 13,000 people appealed this year. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in increased property taxes, and I object. Order, order. You agree? I mean, I don't necessarily agree that we shouldn't tax people, period, but the system is obviously a mess, right? Well, our goal today, listen, all these taxes being raised, our goal is simple. It's to help these people, help explain how they can lower their property taxes. And between you, I, and our partner, Nicole, we got 45 years of handling property tax appeals. That's a lot of time. No? Qualified? Agreed? Disagree? Strenuously Um, object? I do not object to the statement regarding our own qualifications when it comes to property tax appeals. Unless there's some 90-year-old lawyer out there who did a bunch of tax appeals back in the 70s that I don't know about, um, I cannot imagine there is anybody who has been representing more Allegheny County pro- or property owners in tax appeals over the last 20 years. It's just it, not possible. <laughs> hey, now this is a pilot, William, right? This is a pilot. Now, w- just to jump off track, and I do want to lower people's property taxes, but rate the Seinfeld pilot for me. It's a, it's a six out of 10. It's a six out of 10. It worked. It will. It got carried. All right. N- no <laughs> relation between Seinfeld and property taxes, but we will keep track of who can reference Seinfeld more and keep score, perhaps. <laughs> I'm fine with that. 
there's a couple of things going on that are big news and tax appeals that people need to know right out of the gate, right? The tax appeal deadline is over. March 31st was the last day to file appeal. The school district files 13,000 appeals and people are getting letters in the mail, including myself. I got one as well that we're going to have a hearing and we're going to raise your property taxes. Um, let's talk about property taxes first in general. Do you know the history? Did you research the history for today? I did not. Ah, I did. I did. And there is no state in the union that does not collect property taxes. And the property taxes actually started in old England in 1500. The U.S. started in the late 1780s. So it was almost immediate. But going back to what I said before, Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, pays twice as much in property taxes as cities like Atlanta, New Jersey, California. And everybody says, well, how can that be? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's because of how we do our tax system. Those states increase the sales tax and they increase the income tax. We fund all of the education just through the property tax and a half million dollar house in Allegheny County pays $15,000 a year in property taxes, right? I mean, half a million isn't that much anymore, 15,000. In New Jersey, they pay about half of that. 7,500. So I want to talk a little bit first about how the system is flawed, why it is flawed, and, you know, hear your thoughts on that. Well, so one of the things to note is a lot of states have what they call a uniformity clause in their respective state constitutions or laws, right, that requires that taxation throughout the state be uniform. Pennsylvania is relatively unique in that Historically, our Supreme Court has read that uniformity clause as to require that all taxation be flat. We do not have a progressive income tax um, the way that, you know, when you pay your federal taxes, you have different tax brackets that pay different percentages. That doesn't exist in Pennsylvania income tax, which makes it harder for the state of Pennsylvania to raise the funds it needs to operate Um by virtue of an income tax, because That's you can in- only charge so much for a flat tax before the people at the, the lower end of the income spectrum find that a burden they can't possibly meet. All right. So what you're saying is um, because we have the flat tax on income, we're not a, we have to fund it through the property tax. Okay. It, that's fine. But if we're going to do this system, the word you said was uniform and that's the big issue in the law. And that's what people are writing articles and talking in news about is you have to have uniformity in property taxation. And all that means is two houses that are neighbors that look identical should pay the same amount in property taxes. Agreed? Agreed. And that's, it's interesting because the same uniformity clause um, that has tied our hands and, and, you know, I, I don't know how to weigh it out, uh, you know, good, bad, indifferent, but that same uniformity clause applies to property tax appeals. What was it? About 20 years ago now, Pennsylvania or Allegheny County had its system at the time thrown out on uniformity provisions that the entire county by not doing reassessment the the property tax burdens um, across people in the county were found by the court to be so non-uniform that the court ordered a reassessment for the whole county so it's it's an interesting concept on how we got here right and if you look at the 30-year history of property tax assessments in Allegheny County specifically, right? Even before I started practicing in the mid nineties is when it happened. Um, 
that the commissioners of Allegheny County, but before we had a county executive, uh, had the same issue. I mean, you had people have been screaming about unfair property assessments for 30 years. And then it went through the courts. And in 2002, they said, okay, we're going to reassess. We're going to have an expert come in and we're going to look at the value of these 580,000 properties. I was a young kid at the time, Bill. Um, it was so out of whack. I mean, it was like the wild west back in 2002. So 2000, 1999, it's chaos. 2002, they do this reassessment. They say, okay, every, here's how we're going to value every property. And the goal at that time, and Judge Wedick was great. I mean, he retired, but he was a great judge. Um, the goal was then you do it periodically because over time, as property values increase and the school districts target single properties, the system gets farther and farther out of whack. Well, they wait 10 years. They don't do anything until 2012. And then it's all screwed up again. Thousands and thousands of appeals are filed. And then they do the reassessment again in 2013. And you were part of that reassessment with me then. I mean, you remember. That's correct. 2013, they do the reassessment. And then they don't do nothing. And now here we are, 2022, and it's chaos again. Let me ask you this, because um, I know my answer. If they had asked you, if anyone had come up to you in 2012 or 2013 and said, how long do you think it's going to be before the next reassessment? Would you have thought that we would still be using those numbers today? You know, it's so politically unpopular to reassess. It's a, it's a politician's death is what it is. You, you know, everybody thinks a reassessment is bad. It's it, not necessarily bad. If it values everybody fairly, it should reduce the millage rates. And we're going to talk about that in our upcoming episode tax appeals for dummies, which does break down the simple assessment process in Allegheny County. But if it treats everybody fairly and reduces the millage rate, it's a, it's a win for more people than it's a loss. Right now, the system is set up for winners and losers. If you bought a house recently, you lose. If you've lived in your house for a long time, you win, right? The system is unfair. When you freeze this, the assessments, and property values rise as they have, um, it creates inequities among similarly type homes. Agreed? Are we in agreement there? We are. So recently, a new law came out, and I actually read the law this morning, HB 52. I, I okay, bet I so, said that wrong. So not a new law yet. This is a bill. It's a proposal. No, but the media calls it a law. Like, Well, it's a proposed law. It hasn't passed. It's even worse than that when you read it, because the beginning of it says something along the lines, I intend to introduce legislation in the future. <laughs> I see. Well, I, ha I, I read one of the news stories. My guess here, and uh, this, you know, it's the sort of reckless speculation that I hope can be preserved for all eternity um, when I make it, is that if there is an HB number associated with this, it sounds like a bill that exists and has been introduced. Otherwise, it wouldn't have a number. On the other hand, it's, it's a, it doesn't have a like Pennsylvania consolidated statute number. So uh, I think what we're dealing with is a bill that somebody has written that is subject to all of the legislative rigmarole that can happen to that bill. No one may ever even vote on it. It may be amended beyond recognition. All of that is in play. Yeah, I mean, basically what the law is, is, is trying to do is eliminate, you know, the school districts from filing a tax appeal against a new home buyer. Because like we said, if you buy a house for $500,000 and you're assessed at 100, the school district is raising your property taxes because you just bought a house. 
but your neighbor who's lived there longer isn't appealed and he's still at the hundred and you're like, I'm paying three times as much as my neighbor. This doesn't make any sense. Well, and, um, and we see that, and we see that practically, right? Every day, the majority of the calls that we're getting as a law firm right now are people who recently purchased new homes. Mostly, they have out-of-state cell phone numbers as the uh, as the number to call them back on. They've just moved into the area, and lo and behold, the school districts have decided uh, to to take the, essentially take them to court uh, to try to increase their property taxes. It's happening all over the county. It happens all over the county at this time every year. So the problem with the law is it sounds good. Like, yeah, they shouldn't be able to do that. But because it's been so long since 2013, over 100,000 people have already gone through the appeal process. So now we're just going to treat one-fifth of the entire county unfairly. It's stupid. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, let's let's back up for a minute. Um, The current system, right? In the current system, the, the county as an administrative entity has set everyone's assessment. Every property in the county is assessed at a certain rate. They valued every property, correct. Um, and when the, when we had these things we're talking about called a reassessment, what the county did was re, uh, ignore their prior numbers and reassess every property as of the date in question, right? Correct. So the last time that happened was 2012. Correct. Since that time, if nobody sold or purchased the property, or if nobody did extensive work that required submitting building permits on the property, it is pretty unlikely that the school districts have ever tried to fix that number. Okay, (laughs) let me go back further. Why do we have an appeals process at all? When you pay your income tax, um, nobody, you might get audited or something like that, but nobody ever has to decide how much the $70,000 you made last year is worth. What, right? you made, what you made is declared in a W-2 or whatever. It's easy to identify how much you made, but with a property, you can't do that, right? Right. With a property, if the county's going to tax you a percentage of your property value, they have to decide what your property value is. It's very subjective. And the county makes its own determination. And those determinations can be wildly off base. After each of these reassessments, the first thing that happens for the first couple of years is everyone fights over those new numbers yeah. and tries well, to get them to settle into a what's, place. What's, right? funny, what, what's funny, Billy, is in 2012, when there's, they reassessed the 580,000 properties, right? There was 100,000 appeals filed that these assessments were inaccurate, but they were all owner appeals. <laughs> there wasn't one single time the school district filed an appeal in a reassessment. They Because... That can't be right. You know, it just... So So the baseline appeal process here is the county sets a number, which they have methodologies and approaches for. But once that number exists, the property owner and the other taxing bodies, the school district and the municipality, all have the right to argue to the county and then eventually to the court of common pleas that that number is wrong. That's, you, that's, that's what we're going to talk about the process on the tax appeals for dummies, right? And How do you, you need, appeal this? You need to have that process of some kind. You need to be able to appeal because if the county gets your tax number wrong, you can't just be stuck with the county thinking your house is worth a million dollars when your house is worth $250,000. There has to be some mechanism in place to challenge and change those numbers as property values change. And so what you have after mass reassessments is an appeals process that goes one property at a time. An owner can file an appeal any year they want, 
or the taxing body can file an appeal any year they want. But the way the, the actual practice works for these taxing bodies, and by taxing bodies right now, we exclusively mean the school districts. Not uh, necessarily, we, but okay. Well, uh, for the purpose of filing appeals, right? Um, none of the municipal, for a while, the city of Pittsburgh filed its own appeals. Right now, all of the appeals being filed are filed by school districts. And the municipality is an interested party, but they're just kind of riding in on the coattails of the school districts in all these appeals. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, the whole tax appeal, even talking about it, right? There's so much in the weeds that we might think property owners understand and they really don't. And it's such a topic where when you don't understand something, you just sort of shut off um, where you're afraid to learn something new, but it's quite simple. It is quite simple. The higher your property value, the more you pay in property taxes, right? And if you can keep that value down, you pay less in property taxes. So who right now in the current system, as it is, who are the school districts appealing? Anybody who recently bought, and as property values obviously have gone up since the pandemic, they're getting appealed. All right. We agree the system is fundamentally flawed, right? Um, let's bring in Nicole first because she's handling, she's defending hundreds of property owners this year who are experiencing the pain of being appealed, right? And I don't think you've ever been appealed. Have you ever? I have been appealed, yeah. It, it, I, I did not like it. I felt a little violated. I eventually got them to dismiss the appeal in my case. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did it Nicole handle that for you? I handled, yeah, no, you're, you know, she did. She did. You know, I just Of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire anyone else to do that. No, 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 no. Everybody likes her. You know, when I used to try to settle these cases, I, you know, it was not always good. I mean- not saying I can't do it, but as the years rolled on and I aged, I think it changed. I think I was softer as a younger man, Bill. I don't know. Well, I, I do know that when I go in, well. Can I use this as therapy? Can we do therapy while we talk about tax appeals? I mean, you, yes. Yes, we can. We can always cut it out later. I mean, okay. we can. Uh, Noah, Noah Mew, we should not cut it out later. We should air this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to introduce Nicole Houtman Amick. And the great thing about our law firm, Flaherty Fardo, nobody has ever worked anywhere else. I mean, it sounds kind of scary when you think about it, right? Sean's been there for 30 years. Well, I was going to say. 20 plus years. You've never worked anywhere else. Nicole's never worked anywhere else. The only one who worked anywhere else is Sean, and that's just because he's been practicing law longer than the firm existed. <laughs> Jacqueline, um, but Jacqueline once, the, once we existed, no one else has ever been anywhere else. Well, even the, the Jacqueline, our latest attorney, who's been with us seven, eight years, I don't know, uh, she's now part of the family. She's never been anywhere else. I, it's a little bit unusual to have that level of consistency, I think, in a law firm. And you see people leaving all the time. But, well, we'll pat, out ourself, we'll pat ourselves on the back. Maybe we'll just talk about all the good things we've done. How's that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would like to do that. It, you know, I suddenly had it creep into my mind that maybe none of us have gone anywhere else because uh, you've made us all unemployable anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably something to that. What's it about? It's about nothing. <laughs> um, so let's introduce Nicole Houtman Amick. Um, she's a tax appeal attorney in Pittsburgh. She's... Nicole told me a story and I should let her talk, but here we are. She told me a story. She's like, yeah, Noah, you, uh, you sent me to a tax appeal my first week. I called my mother on the way to the hearing and was scared as can be. But since then, she's personally saved property owners in Allegheny County. I don't know. She's reduced property values. I, I would argue $100 million. I mean, it's calculable. 
She's handled thousands and thousands of appeals. And she generally, her reputation in this industry, she's so respected among the judges, among the other lawyers. Um, she's really done a phenomenal job over the years. And I'm, I'm pleased to make her our first guest. Welcome, Nicole. Are you there? I'm here. Nicole, how are you? Did you like your introduction? I feel very honored to number one, be your first guest, and also that I've never worked anywhere else. That's yeah, awesome. I, uh, I was kind of hoping you would uh, you would mute and not listen to that introduction so it doesn't go to your head. Also, I want to point out how weird it is to have you as a quote-unquote guest um, on our podcast, but uh, this, this, is the, this is the business we've chosen, I suppose. Um, so, well, I'm happy uh, to be here, no matter what, so... Thanks well, for having me. All right. Me. We love each other. Hug, hug, hug. All right. Great. All right. Let's talk about tax appeals, Nicole. Okay. I, I do look at you as an expert in tax appeals. And what do you, what is the first thing you would say to people that are being appealed this year who get a letter in the mail that says, I represent the school district. I am trying to raise your property taxes. What's the first thing you say to them? Don't panic. Okay. Um, you know, you guys have already talked about this ad nauseum, but you know, we're in a weird time with the COVID market, um, with the reassessment last happening in Allegheny County 10 years ago. So this year, I think more than even last year, you know, there was 4,000 more appeals filed this year than last year. Um, so that's a sizable increase, you know, 50% increase from last year. And the increases I'm looking at as I evaluate these cases are huge because of the COVID market. So um, a lot of people are panicking and I, and I understand that because there's a lot of people looking at, you know, 5,000, 10,000, $20,000 yearly tax increases. Um, so, you know, I understand that people are a little worried about it, but um, not to panic. Uh, certainly we, we look at every case individually, but we're definitely looking at kind of a weird skewed market at this point. And I can see it in the cases I'm evaluating. Is COVID helping you defend these appeals? I mean, are you able to use it as a reason to defend the appeals? Yes and no. Um, yes, because there's a lot of unusual buying situations. I think that was more prevalent probably last year, but the amount of people I talked to that said, hey, you know, I was in France and I bought this house and I never even set foot in it until a month after I owned it. Um, because I couldn't get here. Um, I was in California and I got a new job, but I couldn't come out here because of COVID. So I bought this house basically sight unseen. And, you know, now there's X, Y, and Z issues that I didn't know because I literally was never here. Um, or relocations for work or, you know, different situations that definitely I think would lead to an overpayment. Um, here, here's something else, Nicole. I'm sure Bill has questions for you, but what, how often do the real estate agents tell these buyers who may be appealed the reality of what's going to happen? Because when I talk to some of these property owners, about half the time they're shocked and about half the time they expected they were going to be appealed. What have, what have you come across? I'd say less than half. Um, it seems to me that when people know this is coming, it's either because they've already gone through this process with a different property. Um, or, you know, a friend or neighbor told them about the fact that this was going to happen because they also went through this process. So even when people know about it, it seems as though they received that tip, not even from their realtor, but from someone else. Right. So I get appealed, Nicole, I get appealed. I'm, I'm a property owner. My taxes are going up. 
how can you help me? What can you do? How, how is it that you can defend these appeals? Give me just some general background. Well, every case is different, obviously. Um, there's a lot of different ways that these appeals can be defended. Um, you know, a lot of these processes go through both levels of the appeals process. So it can be a long, arduous, you know, multiple year um, fight to get reductions. Do, um, do most of these appeals take multiple years? And I mean, if so, why? How can a simple appeal valuing a property take multiple years? Does it make sense? So yes, the cases do go through, a majority of them do go through two levels of the appeals process. So that's the BPAR, which is the first level of the process, and the board of viewers, which is the second level of the process. Tax appeals for dummies, tax appeals for dummies, right? And um, the reason it can take so long is because the board of viewers is very delayed in scheduling hearings. COVID did not help that because the court shut down for months. So Listen, right now- I'm a, pit, I'm a pissed off property owner, okay? My taxes are getting appealed. I'm getting appealed. And all I'm hearing, I'm calling you my lawyer, and all I'm hearing is there's COVID, there's delays. I want to know as a property owner, how in the hell can you help me stop my property taxes from going up? Otherwise, I'm calling, um, I don't know, who, who can I call, Bill? Can I call anybody else? Uh, Ghostbusters, I believe. is the <laughs> Well, you know, I, I try to, at a, probably to a fault, I'm a very, you know, upfront and honest person. That's just how I like to practice. And you know, if you're a property owner that's calling me and no, I looked at your appeal, for example, which I know. Okay, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, I got a lot of money. I buy properties. I get appealed. What happens? So for some you, airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you call me, though, I'm not telling you, no, your taxes aren't going up because that's a lie. Um, and if someone tells you that they're lying to you, you know, my job is to mitigate that. Um, you know, it's a situation where certainly you, your taxes are going to go up. It can be a long process, but it requires some patience, which I know is difficult. I'm not a patient person either, okay. but you know, you need to have it because as I was saying before, the board of viewers who schedules their own cases is, you know, a year or two delayed right now. Um, so, you know, I do have a lot of pissed off property owners calling me and saying, Hey, Nicole, you filed my appeal a year ago. What's going on? Um, and I understand that. So, you know, it's a, it's, we're trying to move them forward as quickly as possible. Um, How can, yeah, but why, if I'm a, if I'm a perspective, I'm a, re, I'm a recent home buyer and I'm getting appealed, what can you offer me or what is it you're going to do? Or what advice can you give me as we walk through this appeal on how I can defend this assessment or, or appeal? And, you know, how successful are you as a lawyer for the property owners versus if I tried to just go handle it myself? Well, there's a lot of questions there, but I'll try to get through them. So things that you can do that are helpful for your case. So there's a lot of different uh, research and things that I get prepared for evidence for these cases. So number one, you know, if you did overpay, which everyone wants to tell me about how they overpaid because of COVID, because of whatever else, I get that. Um, the better way to show that is by looking at research. So by researching, you know, say five people on your street just bought a similar house. What did they pay for their house? Um, is it less than what you paid? Can you show me? Can you document that for me and show it to me with actual data, which is what my job is? So I'm compiling all that information, getting all of that together and saying, you know, four properties on the same street, identical, just sold for less. I'm asking property owners information that they have that I don't have um, that they have that would be helpful for the case. So, for and example, 
Got was it. there a seller assist or seller credit included in the purchase price? Was there a significant amount of furniture included in the purchase price? Have any significant issues come up with the property that were not disclosed to you? That's All right, good. good. Okay. So there's a bunch of things broken down there, right? But your goal and what you're telling property owners who get appealed is that they need to prove that they overpaid for the house. So when it says $500,000 on the deed and it's a sale recording, that's not true. I didn't pay 500,000. I paid 460 because either there was furniture included or I was motivated from out of town or I was in a rush or my wife wanted this and I didn't have a choice. Is that right? I mean, let's, let's, let's think about for a moment, the actual nature of the argument that you as a property owner are trying to make when you have purchased a house and now you're getting appealed, right? Which is you purchased your house and the documents you filed with Allegheny County say that you paid $500,000 for your house. And now you're stuck going to a, you know, court, essentially, trying to argue that, yes, I paid $500,000 for my house, but my house is not worth $500,000. That's a difficult argument to pull off, which is, you know, which is the, the, the problem that you're facing here. The best single piece of evidence is the sales price. So it's not the only evidence. But the, the steps you're talking about now, looking for seller's assists or furniture that's included, is a way to say, well, actually, the purchase price wasn't $500,000. It was four hundred, whatever. And once you can, Nicole, am I right that once you can prove that you overpaid, it can help lower the property taxes? I mean, it's that simple, right? Correct. And, and again, like Bill said, it's not like I'm saying I paid a different value for the property, but it's, it's in looking at, you know, facts outside of just looking at the purchase price, which that's the area that I live in. Yeah. yeah. What so, I that's, so that was my next question, Nicole, is we, we talked already about the things that you can do to try to make the purchase price itself look like it was lower. What evidence outside of the purchase price itself um, is relevant evidence or good evidence to, to try to prove your case here? So as I was kind of alluding to before, I do a lot of research. I do all the research for our cases, which is, you know, a good thing. Um, I hear a lot of compliments about that because a lot of other offices don't have the actual attorneys handling it. So the benefit of that is, you know, when I am saying these, are, this is my evidence, these are the other sales, I have personally looked at that. So, you know, if there's other sales in the same street, I have that information. If there's other sales from the next street over, I have that information. You know, when the school district is bringing in comparables, a lot of times it could be, you know, sales that are three miles away, that are bigger, newer, you know, they don't fine tooth comb go through those. So that's a really important distinction that we go through at the time of the hearing to make those, you know, differentiations between what the school district has and what we have. Um, another thing that I'll do, this is mostly at the board of viewers at the second level, but say your neighbor went through the appeals process three years ago, what did they settle their case for? Um, you know, if there's any helpful information that's out there, I'm going to find it. Um, well, that's the key, Nicole. I mean, I really think the reason you've been so successful in defending these and the key, the absolute answer to defending a school district tax appeal is to outwork and out-research the school districts because the school districts will file 2000 appeals and they'll have an administrative assistant do their, do their research. And then will, and I think this is your magic key or whatever the better phrase is, William, you help me on that, but you're actually doing the research. You're outworking them. You're able to cross-examine their evidence. Um, is there a risk 
and maybe you can talk a little bit about it briefly, of property owners actually attending their own hearing. You've talked about how this is a multi uh, hearing process. There's two different hearings over a long time. What's the risk? Just touch bit base briefly on the risk if a property owner attends the first hearing on their own. So this is a question I get a lot asked a lot. Um, if a property owner attends a hearing on, on their own, they can be cross-examined by the school district attorney, representative, whoever's there. Um, that can be a problem for them for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, if, if they ask you a question and you give an answer that's not helpful for your case, that doesn't only impact the hearing you're at, but that stays with your file for the rest of the time that your property is under appeal. So I've had situations where a property owner attends at the first level, they get an unfavorable decision. We help them with a second level appeal. And I have an attorney for the school district saying, hey, Nicole, the property owner at the first level told me this. And it's information that I am surprised by. I didn't know they had it. And that can be information like appraisals for the property that were, you know, even above the purchase price, which that happens sometimes. Yeah. What you've done to the property. Hey, when yeah. you're under oath at these hearings and you know, there's going to be an appeal and the school district lawyer is asking you, so what, what was the mortgage? Did you have an appraisal? What have you done to the property? It hurts you ultimately in the appeals process. You agree? Correct. And that's, that was going to be my next point is say you've put $50,000 in a property. You know, if they ask you a question, certainly you should always answer truthfully, but that information is not going to help you because then the school district can say, Hey, they bought the property for 400. They put 50,000 into it. It's worth 450. So now you're even in a worse situation than you were in before. And again, not only are they going to use that against you at that moment, but they're going to use it against me or you or whoever later in the appeals process as well. Yeah, so it's a problem. I think this is a place where property owners, just using their own common sense, think that volunteering that information is going to help when in fact it hurts, right? Because in their head, their mindset is I overpaid for this house. And so how do you prove you overpaid for the house? Well, I paid $400,000 for the house. And then I had to put, you know, $30,000 of work into the backyard. Well, that doesn't show that you paid too much when you bought it. What that becomes evidence of is the house is now worth 30,000 more than when you did buy it. Yeah, that's so, good, Bill. I mean, there's so many times that they say the wrong things and that logic, what you're saying there is, well, I had to fix this and I had to fix this. Well, you know, now you just increased it and raised your property taxes, pal. So not very bright. It's um, Well, it's tricky, right? Like it makes sense why you think that will help you when what your thought process is, is trying to prove that your house, that you overpaid. But what you're really trying to prove ultimately is what your house, what your property is worth. And what you paid is good evidence of that. Um, but if you, if in your head, your mindset is I'm arguing about what the property's worth, then you'll see, oh, wait, telling someone that I just put $50,000 into it is not going to help me. Yeah. Right. I, I know we're a little deep into this, right? And it's obvious we could talk about tax appeals maybe for, for hours, like literally hours. Have but, we not already? Yeah. But here's, here's the thing about the school district appeals. And especially if you got appealed, you know, the school district has the burden of proof, Right. And they're going to come in and they're going to say, Nicole, you paid $500,000. But the, the law 
which, you know, which Nicole does a great job of providing and explaining to the hearing officers as well. One sale does not make a market. And in terms to value a property, you have to use what's called a comparable sales approach. And if the school district is having administrative assistance find their sales, and we have Nicole, who has the top of the line technology and database that we've built over the last 15 years, we find the best sales where it gives us a strategic advantage. Agreed, Nicole? Well, I'll even say it's not even at this point because we're you know so far away from the base year and the market is so crazy. It's not even usually, and, and obviously every case is different, but it's not even usually a cherry picking situation. It's literally looking at all the other sales, for example, on the same street, right. all the other sales but in the same neighborhood. These assessments are really devastating lower income neighborhoods where the millage rates, which we can talk about, but the rate of taxes that they're given to the people are through the roof. Well, I think the millage rates um, is an interesting topic because when you look around Allegheny County and look at the highest millage rates in the county, they're in lower income parts of the county in Wilkinsburg, Woodland Hills, Brentwood, you know, those People in those areas, if they have a $100,000 house, are paying $5,000 a year in property taxes. That's crazy. It's crazy. And and just for some perspective, if you own a a house in North Allegheny, you'll pay about $2,200 for that same $100,000 house. So if you live in a poorer neighborhood, your taxes are twice what some of the suburbs are. That sounds fair to me, right? Right. And that's, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into millage rates, which we don't have time to talk about right now, but that you know, when I look at those cases and I look at people that live in, you know, modest houses, I mean, I, I look at the taxes on those houses and they're the same as, as you said, you know, much larger houses, you know, a, a relatively modest home, $150,000, $200,000 home. Um, if you tax that person at $10,000 a year, you know, someone in that situation, that is an untenable, unaffordable tax bill. And especially when people don't know what's coming, you know, it's crushing. Yeah, two two things, and then we'll, we'll we'll sort of wrap this up, and we'll bring this bring this home. But you know, when you think about it, a person's home is their most valuable asset, right? It's most for most people, it's the it's the most expensive thing they will own. And what Allegheny County does is they tax it twice as high as everywhere else, which depreciates the most best asset of our life, right? And if if what they did, the solution, I really think, is raising the income, so you tax and raising the sales tax so you can select how your tax. But if they cut the property tax values on our homes, it actually increases everybody's net worth. Everybody gets richer in the system we have right now. It's, it's definitely broken. Nicole, do you think a reassessment and bill too, you know, do you think a reassessment if they finally ordered another one 10 years later would help fix this and why? Absolutely. I think we need a reassessment desperately. I think we need regular reassessments because right now our system crushes people that just buy properties and it's only going to continue getting worse. And the only way to fix that is by just regularly taking a look at all the values, giving people new values. Because even when we do a reassessment now, because it's been 10 years since the last one, you know, grandma and grandpa living in Lawrenceville that bought their property 40 years ago, next to all these properties that just flipped, they're going to get a higher tax bill. Yeah, Lawrence, um, Lawrenceville is crazy right now too. I mean, well, you got people with 50,000 and 400,000, right? I mean, that's just an example of an area that the, the values have appreciated so much, but the way we could have avoided doing that was doing a regular reassessment. So people don't get hit all at one time 
by much higher values on properties. So I think we need to start sooner than later. I think we need to do them regularly. Uh, and as you touched on before, you know, a reassessment, people get scared about property taxes going up. That's not true. Um, many people's property taxes would actually go down. Um, and I think if we do it regularly, we could really kind of bring these massive increases to a stop um, and just kind of be fair to everyone, including people that just buy properties, people that have been in properties. I think it's a much fairer system for everyone. Yeah. Every yeah. year we do the status quo. I think the worse it gets too. Well, well, look, I mean, obviously politicians voting through a reassessment is a deeply unpopular act because everyone thinks and and often in the short term everyone's taxes do go up while we try to try to have water find its level again which is why generally the way that reassessments in allegheny county have been happening is when the courts force us to because our system gets so out of whack that the court decides it's now unconstitutional and you got to do something different that in and of itself is a broken system right we've got we've got we've got a county where we have decided that we will do reassessments. Well, we haven't decided it, but we only do reassessments when a court forces us to when it gets so out of whack. But you had said earlier, Noah, there are winners and losers. And, and I think that's in the current system, that's true. And in any system you pick, you're going to be able to figure out who wins and loses. Right now in the current system, the losers are the people who are in areas where the property values are not appreciating, where, you're, where the property values are flat or even decreasing. Those people are overpaying their taxes and their assessments relative to the value of their property. And the, and the other losers are people who are purchasing new homes. If you're purchasing property, you're going to be paying higher taxes than your neighbor who's in an identical house. So right now, the two sets of people who are hit the hardest by this current broken system are people in low-income, non-appreciating neighborhoods and people who are purchasing new homes. If what we do is have a mass reassessment, obviously in the short term, there's kind of chaos because some of the, you know, 10% of the numbers are just going to be terrible numbers that have to then get fixed through the appeals process. Um, but the other losers in a reassessment situation are going to be the people Nicole talked about. If you have owned property for a long time in an area that's appreciating in these gentrifying neighborhoods that we have right now, those people's property value is going up. They're not doing anything different, um, but the the neighborhoods that property values you're appreciating, when that adjusts, which you know conceptually it, it in theory should, but the end result of that is these people's tax bill is going to go so high they're going to have to sell their property. Um, it's they're 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 not going to be able to pay that bill. Um, I think that Philadelphia County, City, whatever it's all kind of the same government over there. Um, has a specific program in place that I, I don't know if it's been challenged and upheld in courts uh, or not yet, but I'm pretty sure it exists, that allows people who have lived for a long time um, in an area where the property value is going up, gives them an exception to what are otherwise the, the property tax rules. It cuts them some kind of break. The courts at least have not yet found that that violates the uniformity clause and might be a good way to try to protect the people who are most likely to be harmed by the next reassessment whenever it and happens. Listen, that's a great, that's a great idea. I mean, there are states out there that will look at senior citizens and say, we're not going to tax them the same way. Right. I mean, you can't because you're going to tax them out of their house as we go through. Well, um, and, and like state law has, the, the courts have told us that you're not allowed to have different tax rates um, on commercial and residential properties. 
even if you wanted to, you couldn't take the use of the property and say, well, we're going to, we're going to tax the commercial properties uh, at a higher millage rate than we're going to tax the residential properties. Um, because, because that's considered to violate the uniformity clause. Uh, but in, in all the state, in all the counties, and certainly in Allegheny County, you have the homestead exemption, which does at least cut a, you know, a small break that is specifically and exclusively given to owner-occupied residential properties, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a drop in the bucket compared to how much the tax burden actually is, but it is one place where we've already seen the, our legislators kind of carve out um, a way to protect residential property owners in a way that it doesn't necessarily protect commercial ones. All right. All right. Look, we could talk about this for a long time. Let, let's wrap up. Let's, let's summarize a little bit what we've discovered today. We, Nicole, we all agree there's a fundamentally flawed tax appeal system, correct? Yes. It's broken. Very it's much. Broken. It's broken because we, have, we need to do periodic reassessments, which will be more fair for everybody. And for those people who are being appealed, and I, Nicole, our intent is to do a separate, more defined, here's exactly how you defend a tax appeal and some hints and tips, tips and tips. I like hints and tips. Yeah, well, you know what they say, timping ain't easy. Um, but for those people, be careful what you say at the hearing. Prove that you overpaid for the property, outwork, out-research, the school district attorneys. Oh, you know, um, when we did talk about one sale does not make a market, they have the burden of proof, right? What did I miss? I'm, I'm smarter than Bill. Uh, I jacked. I strenuously <laughs> He saved it for a good one. I think that's, I think you hit on the main points, Noah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I can't, I, there has to be a reassessment and I think it's going to be more chaos and fodder for talk. But the people that have been appealed, you should fight these. We've seen a lot of success in mitigating the property tax increases. And, you know, if somebody can prove to me that this system works, I would love to listen to it because I'm just, I'm, I'm selling, I'm not buying it. Well, Bill, I told Noah, I had a dream the other night that some politician was telling me that a reassessment was happening next year. Like that's how entrenched in this whole thing and, and devoted I am to this reassessment uh, notion. So that's where my head's at right now. Yeah, I, I want, am desperately sorry that this is what your dream life is like. I, I want my lawyer to dream about tax appeals. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I probably should be more embarrassed of that than I am, but <laughs> here we are. Hey, you know what though? I will, I will end, end with this too. You know, the point, I'm not trying to get clients. That's fine. We, we, we get enough clients. Our reputation, what we've done for past clients, it, it's great. I, I mean, you I'm know, trying to get clients. I, I'm not. I don't, when I got into this business, and I've done a lot of different areas of law, but nothing, people are more scared when they get notice of a tax appeal and they flip out because now you're talking about their monthly income, you're talking about their monthly expenses, and it is personal in nature. The satisfaction and the relationships I built with these people, because I'm walking them through one of the toughest times in their life. Nicole, you see this all the time, right? I mean, some of the panic by these people, you're affecting their checkbook. This is real. Absolutely. It's a very emotional um, thing. And I understand that. And I just went through the appeal on my own property. So I get that. And it's sometimes good to remind myself, you know, how much this can impact people. I mean, I have people crying, you know, I, I deal with that almost every day. So Who'd you hire, Nicole? I'm sorry? Who'd you hire? Um, I know a good tax appeal attorney. 
Um, I handled it myself, obviously, but, um, you know, even in doing that, it's one of those things where, you know, the amount of research and and time and energy I put into it, it's a good reminder that, you know, everyone deserves to have the same. Yeah. Whether you use us or not, what I will say is don't let them raise your property taxes without a fight. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're talking about, and if it's, and if it's, if it sticks like it has in the 10 years, this could be 10 years of savings. You know, we, you save somebody 3000 a year, you really save them 30 grand. You save them 10 grand a year. You're saving them a hundred thousand dollars. Any final thoughts, Nicole? We really appreciate you coming on today. No, that's it. Thanks guys for having me. Glad yeah, to be here. Yes. I'm honored. You're the, you're the best. We, you're, we really appreciate everything you do. You're Billy. guests in my corn. Yeah. I have no idea what you're doing there. It's uh, it's field of dreams. I doubt that's in Field of Dreams, but your guests in my corn is definitely in Field. Yeah, I disagree. I, I object, but we can we can hash it out another day. You're out of order. You're out of order. That should about do it for this episode of I Strenuously Object. Hopefully, you learned something or had a few laughs at least. If so, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Uh, tell your friends, or if we did a bad job, your enemies uh, to check us out. It's the only way this podcast can grow. If you have questions for our eventual mailing it in segment or other feedback for the podcast, email the podcast directly at I object at PGH Noah, anything from you? Yep. For the most helpful information on property tax appeals on the web, on the internet, on the World Wide web, visit PGH and visit our tax appeal section, which includes the best advice for defending school district tax appeals, how to lower commercial properties, and how to lower your property taxes in general, pghfirm.com. Until next time, some parting legal advice. You never, never leave your wingman. Noah, are we adjourned? We are adjourned. Have a great day. We want to hear from you, our listeners. You can email us your questions, comments, and suggestions for future episodes at iobject at pghfirm.com or DM us on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us at Flaherty Fardo on Instagram or Flaherty Fardo Rogel and Amick on Facebook.